right. Well, hey, oh, thank you. Thanks very much. It is always a joy to be with you. Honestly, Abundant Life, it, it's been such an honor to be invited into this space. And, and it's been actually almost a year since I began to work with the staff and, and then subsequently be, been invited into a larger role with the staff and working with the elders as well. And I am absolutely thrilled uh, to see the steps that God has brought this church along. It's been an amazing journey. I've, I really, I fell in love with this church. I fell in love with the staff and the elder team, and so many of you that I've had a chance to meet, um, you're, you're an easy church to fall in love with. You really are. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, clap worthy for sure. And if you don't know whether or not you should fall in love with this church, if you're just dating this church and you're like, like this, this is a good, you can commit. They're good. Like, uh, uh, so, uh, and Dave's right. I actually had a chance to work with Jesse Butterworth for many, many years. Jess, you're such a great friend and I have loved serving with you. So this is like serendipitous that we're here today and, um, and, and being able to serve together. I, I don't know if you heard me, but I was like screaming uh, it as well with my soul because it's just so fun to be led by you, bud. So thank you for being here. Um, I get a chance to talk about the, the topic today is self-control. <laughs> the sexiest topic you could ever have to talk about in church. And so today is going to be a day when you're going to want to take notes because I have done a lot of research on this uh, in prepping for this message. I didn't have it really internally, so I had to research it and see what other people had to say about self-control. But I, I want to start with a story. My, my buddy Scott is one of the most interesting men I have ever met. He's brilliant. He's got a PhD from Wheaton, and he's just, he's a psychologist and just this incredible mind. And, and he's got some properties building a house on up in my neck of the woods. And so he decided, this, this year he decided he wanted to start keeping bees on his property. And so he went online and he, he ordered these bees and they got shipped to his house, these big boxes, and there's a big hive. And, and so he put the hive where he wanted it and he successfully transplanted the queen into her space there. And, and then he was able to get most of the bees, like maybe 8,500 of the bees into the hive. But he looked in the box and there were still about 1,500 bees left. And, and so he went online, he got the instructions about how to transfer these bees. And, and so this is what he did. He, he took the box that was filled with bees and he held it gently upside down over the hive and he was just gonna shake them gently out of the box and into the hive. And as he was doing that, he slipped and smacked the box on the hive, agitating 10,000 bees. Now, I just want you to know, agitated bees are <laughs> a problem, you know? <laughs> And, and he was wearing protective gear, but it didn't matter. They got into his sleeves and down the back of his neck and up, you know, his shirt. And he was stung hundreds of times. He's, he's swatting and flailing. Finally, he runs and he jumps in this little muddy pond that he has on his property. And the whole time he tells me, he's thinking to himself, Scott, there is no one else to blame for this. You went online and paid good money to do this to yourself. Well done, you genius you, right? And I love that story. It, it, it absolutely cracked me up. He's okay, no allergies, like he's fine. Every, you know, it's all back to normal. But I, I love this story because it reminds me of a verse. And here's the verse from Proverb 19.3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. 
And that's what happens if we have no self-control. If we have no self-control, we blunder our way through our lives without any self-control, then what happens is we agitate all the bees and we're the ones getting stung again and again and again. And then we're blaming everyone else. We're blaming our parents. We're blaming our boss. We're blaming all these other people. Maybe we're blaming the Lord. Or as a great theologian, Jimmy Buffett once said, (laughs) some people claim that there's a woman to blame. But I know it's my own darn fault. That's the church version of it. Okay, so self-control, self-control. And if you're taking notes, uh, the first truth that we're going to talk about is self-control is infinitely preferable to self out of control. All right, self-control is infinitely preferable to self out of control. And I think that's a truth that we can all stack hands on. We can all begin to build from that. We all know people who are out of control. We know that's not the right way for us to go. And so the scripture says this too. It says, Proverbs 25, 28, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Whew. Right? If you don't have self-control, you've got no protection. If you don't have self-control, there's this openness and this, this vulnerability that's not good because we aren't taking care. We're not protecting, right? And honestly, a lot of what I do in life these days is personal and professional coaching. And this is where so much of it begins. Because if we want to go after our best lives, if we want to resist temptation, if we want to step into the abundance that Jesus has for us, then we have to embrace in some measure, self-control and self-discipline. This kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us so that we can be this in order to bear this in the world. And I was thinking about self-control and I saw this picture and it just made me think of self-control. In the middle of the picture, it says, post no signs. And then somebody had no self-control and decided to post no signs. Uh, just to, you know, exploit the grammar ambiguity there. So, but friends, you know that we can and do careen through our lives without very much self-control or self-discipline. And it works for a while. And, and some of us, we have stories, yeah, that's how I lived my adolescence or that was my college years, etc. But ultimately, we need to employ creativity and proactivity. We need to employ thoughtfulness and intentionality into the life that we are inevitably building and that God is working with us to build. So on the positive, I want to begin by letting you know that in some areas of my life, I'm incredibly self-disciplined. In fact, what I want to share with you, something I shared actually a while back, there's a list of daily practices that I go after. And I'm in them, I'm not kidding, every single day. And this is just how God has wired me because what I want to do is I want to know what are the values that drive my life. And then I want to develop disciplines and practices so that every day I'm living my values. And so that's what these are. Every day I start with soul care. Every day I'm active. Every day I pursue friendship. Every day I'm grateful. Every day I go after kindness, right? Every day I want to learn. And every day if I'm doing these things, there's progress, there's risk, there's creativity, there's all these other things. But I I have to, God knows that I have to live this kind of life so that I can ring that bell that resonates all the way down through my soul, 
right? That's the key to stepping into a more abundant life. And so when I'm working with my clients, this is where I start. Where are your core values? What are the driving values in your life? That's step one. And then step two is now what are the disciplines or the practices that we can build so that every day you're inhabiting that, those values? Because friends, let me be really clear. When you know your values and you're practicing those values every day, then when your head hits the pillow at night, you know you live the life that God has created you uniquely to live. And it's an incredible feeling of victory, right? You're, you're stepping into this abundance that God has for us. And I just want you to make a note that it does not happen accidentally. Nobody just falls into that kind of life. It takes self-control. It takes self-discipline. It takes intentionality. And friends, you know this is not unique, right? All sorts of great things happen because of a commitment to disciplines. This summer, we had the Olympics, right? We had last year's Olympics this year. And you know that there is not a single athlete who stood on a single podium who wasn't absolutely committed to disciplines day after day after day, year after year, till they finally got a chance to stand on that podium and listen to their song being played. I want you to understand, this is true all across the board, right? Think about education. There's not a single person who's ever achieved a doctorate who did that just because of talent. They just showed up. No, they were committed to discipline. Think about vocation, right? Do you want a surgeon who's not incredibly disciplined? Or, or a pilot, right? You, you want a pilot who has no self-control, right? <laughs> You end up in the wrong city. I mean, like, there's all kinds of things. And, and literally, it doesn't matter what sort of field or industry, the people who are at the top of every single genre are there because of an intense commitment to personal discipline. So we absolutely understand how this works. Of course, the Bible is what talks about, hey, this is how you go after it. And in fact, the Bible makes it really clear, you're not even going after self-discipline on your own strength that the Lord himself is with you. He's gonna help you build this into your life. I love this verse from 2 Timothy 1, verse seven. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, not the spirit of fear, but gives us power, love, and say it with me, self-discipline, right? So what's amazing about this verse is that when we feel fear, when we feel timidity or anxiety, you can know right away that's not from God because that's not the spirit that God gives. That's not what he sends. He does not send a spirit of fear or timidity, but he sends love and power and self-discipline. So the good news is if there's any desire within you to build discipline, if there's any desire in you to have self-control, know that that's a gift from God himself. The Holy Spirit's already working within you. And then Henry Nouwen gives us a great definition of what this looks like in the life of a follower of Jesus. He says this, he says, the discipline of the Christian disciple is not to master anything, but rather be mastered by the spirit. True Christian discipline is the human effort to create the space in which the spirit of Christ can transform us into his image. Isn't that beautiful? So the work of, of the follower of Jesus as we build these disciplines is simply to create space. We're not trying to master anything. What we're trying to do is create space so the spirit of God can do his work within us. Again, the scripture says, 
in Proverbs 16, 32, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city, right? So these are good. This is a good and a powerful attribute in our lives, this idea of self-control or self-discipline. So I've shared with you that in some scenarios, I have a lot of self-discipline or self-control, but then there are some in my life that I I really don't have such good self-discipline or self-control. And so I wanted to share one of those stories with you. So I'm gonna share one. Uh, And there are a few, but this is one. And it's around the issue of, um, uh, well, let me just give you the context. Now you're (laughs) so quiet. Don't worry, this is a safe analogy. You guys are okay. It's, it's, I, I take guys on d- discipleship retreats. We go to Montana and we do a week with Jesus. We try to listen to him. And, and so the, it's just a beautiful experience. But something's different there than in my normal life. And what's different is that there's a cook who takes care of all the meals, three meals a day. And what's really different is that after every lunch and after every dinner, they provide delicious home-cooked desserts. There are these home cook, you know, just delicious cookies every lunch. There's all oh, these homemade desserts every meal. And my mouth is just watering right now just talking about it. And, and I, I always think to myself that I have a lot of self-control around desserts. Like it's just not a part of my temptation process. You know, it's, it's not in my home, but we just, we're not a, a family that has a lot of desserts around so that I don't have to like, you know, resist there. And then I go out to eat. Obviously it's available in restaurants, but they give you like a dollop of creme brulee for 12 bucks. And I am way too cheap for that kind of a thing. So it's just, it's just not really an issue for me to resist dessert. But I go, I just went a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Bryce was with me and Pastor Jeff. And, and so we're there and, and the first day I'm saying to myself, okay, I'm gonna resist. I'm doing a talk on self-control. I'm just gonna resist dessert this week. And so show up for dessert or dinner the first night, I kid you not. And they serve the dessert and I say to myself, well, I'll have a dessert every other day. How about that? <laughs> and then literally the next day, lunch, the cookies are served. And I'm like, well, I'll only have one dessert a day. And then that night at dinner, I say to myself, well, maybe this will be my cheat week. You know, and I'll just... <laughs> Like a city with broken down walls, right? Like I had no, I realized that I'd had no self-control over dessert. That was in the category of just being untested. I was just untested, right? And I, can anybody acknowledge that, that you feel like that sometimes? Is anybody else there? Yeah. And so here's what the, the, the key learning to self-control is, a, you might want to write this down because this is pivotal. The key to self-control is understanding how you're wired and intentionally build scaffolding around yourself so that you consistently put yourself in the best position to win. Same thing happened in the first service. I said, you might wanna write this down. Very few did. Uh, Let me just say it again. This is is key. The key to self-control is understanding how you're wired and intentionally build scaffolding around yourself so that you consistently put yourself in the best position to win. So, Some of you, scaffolding might look like accountability in and around thoughts or behaviors that you need to avoid. Some of it might look like avoiding situations entirely, for example, where dessert is served at every meal. But listen, the very best way to remove things from your life is to build healthy alternatives in. 
And for everything you're trying to resist, you need to build in something that you're trying to pursue. And this is what's interesting. Behavior change scientists have discovered this, that all kinds of tests are coming in again and again, that this is what it takes for us to employ kind of the successful behavior. And I love that psychology and science is catching up to what the Bible talks about 2,000 years ago. Because here's what it says in the book of James. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. So of course it starts with resisting, right? It starts with saying no to the devil, saying no to temptation, right? Pushing against that inner desire you have to give yourself permission to eat that thing or drink that thing or look at that thing or say that thing. But friends, if all you're doing is resisting, as strong as you might be at, as much willpower as you might push against this thing that you're resisting, sooner or later, you're gonna run out of steam and it's gonna pop back into your life. That's just what's gonna happen. If that's all you do is resist the devil. So that's where it starts. That's not where it ends. You resist the devil, but then you draw near to God. In other words, you build practices into your life that are wholesome and healthy and positive and directly connected to your relationship with God. And before we get into some of these practical things that we can build into our lives, I wanna break down at a very fundamental level what it takes to build good habits. And so I really wanna unpack this. And this is for us personally, as we wanna build good habits into our life. For some of you, you're in charge of teams or you're in charge of a staff. This is what it takes for you to help build habits into that context. If, if you're a parent, this is what it's gonna take for you to build good habits into your family structure as well. So this is really a life hack for all of these different contexts. But the first thing you need to do, again, you might wanna write this down. The first thing you're gonna need to build a new habit is motivation. You've got to have the motivation to make the change. Now, what's happening in this moment right here, this is external motivation. I am seeking to motivate you. This is a persuasive speech and I want to persuade you. I want to, my prayer is that each and every one of you take the next right step in your life to build good habits in and to draw close to Jesus, right? To have more self-control. That's my prayer for you. But this external motivation that I'm offering, it only lasts a few minutes on Sunday. Far better is the internal motivation that you will embrace because you hang out with you every day. And so you need to embrace an internal motivation. This is what I want. This is the life I want to step into. These are the habits I want to build. So that's the first motivation. The second is ability. You've got to have the ability to do that. Not just motivation, but you must know how to include this new habit in your life. So think for a moment, if you wanted to build a quiet time or a personal devotion time into your daily schedule, you'd have to answer some questions. How are you going to do that? Where are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? How are you going to structure that time? You're going to have to make sure that you answer those questions so that you know you have the ability to do that. Because if you don't have the ability to do that, then it's just wishful thinking. It's just fantasy thought. Right? So you've got to have the motivation and you have, have to have the ability. And the third thing you need to begin a new habit is you need a prompt. You, you need a cap gun to go off so that you know when to start running. Right? You need a bell, you need a signal, you need a whistle, something that prompts you in. And you think, you know, I don't need something like that. That sounds, that, it just doesn't sound like something that I, I'm too advanced. But here's the truth. 
We put events into our calendar and then what happens 15 minutes before that event? You get a prompt. Oh, I gotta be at my meeting, okay, and I go. Do you see what I mean? And, and if, you're, if you're meeting off-site somewhere and you schedule something across town, you get a prompt. Oh, it's, traffic is heavy. It's gonna take you 35 minutes to get there. Oh, I should go now, right? We are wired to need these kind of prompts. So let's kind of put it into practice. If you were gonna build spiritual disciplines into your life, let's say you were gonna build, uh, like I said, that quiet time, that, that personal time with God for Bible reading and prayer. The first thing you'd wanna do is you'd wanna solidify your motivation. And how you would do that is you might ask a best friend to join you in it. So they're gonna do it in their house, but they're gonna do it with you every day. Or you might invite a spouse to actually join you. And so you spend that time together. Maybe not doing the devotion together, but doing it at the same time, right? So you're bringing in somebody else to help with your ongoing motivation. Second thing is ability. You need to, in this case, you'd need to have a Bible and you need to have a, a quiet couch and you need to have a cup of coffee and maybe a journal with you, but you'd have to have the ability all wired. So that's your motivation and ability. And your third would be your prompt. And for some of you, what you need to do is you need to take your cell phone and put it downstairs and just plug it into a wall somewhere and get an old fashioned alarm clock. Because when it goes off at 5.30 in the morning, what you wanna do is you wanna turn it off, get out of bed, and instead of finding your cell phone to check your email and your text message and your newsfeed and whatever else you check, what you do is you give that immediate time in the morning to the Lord. And you just go right into that. So now you've got your prompt, you've got your ability, and you've got your motivation. And that's what it's gonna take for you to build a new habit or a new practice into your life. Let me go to the next truth. And the next truth is that spiritual disciplines are eminently preferable to no spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines that we build into our life, they're eminently preferable to no spiritual disciplines. They are absolutely essential to helping our own personal development in our journey with Jesus. And the apostle Paul talks about them again and again and again. In all of his letters, Paul is pushing in this direction. And then he uses analogies, uh, analogies of like athletes or farmers or soldiers, people who need to live by personal discipline. Let me read you a passage that Paul writes. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. Look at this, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. If you're taking notes right now, I would have you write down the words, train, don't try. Train, don't try. Because there's an incredible difference. Paul talks about himself. He says, I train my body to do what it should. There's training involved. Let me give you an example of what's the difference between training and trying. Let's just say we decided together in this moment that after services, we were gonna go out in the parking lot and somebody was gonna fire a gun in the air and we were all gonna run a marathon, okay? And let's just say that we all did it with a good will. We all, yeah, I'm gonna try really hard. And that gun goes off and we would run really hard, you know, right past the gate at the parking lot and then we'd kind of fade off, right? Like that would, that would pretty much be it. 
it doesn't matter how hard you want to try. That's a really big task to do. However, if you decided that today you were going to start training, the truth is that just about all of us could figure out how to do a marathon within the next 12 months. And when I say training, I mean, let's cut it at the very bottom level. Maybe today you would start and how you would begin your training is you would just walk from the couch to the refrigerator and back to the couch. And that would be your first training. And then tomorrow, maybe you decide, you know, I'm going to walk out to the mailbox and get the mail. And then I'll walk back into the kitchen. That's my second day of training. And just each day, you add a little bit. Each day, you go a little bit further. Maybe at some point, you start building jogging in as well. And if you do that again and again and again, you train yourself incrementally and intentionally over the course of six, eight months. I think that all of us had a really good shot of actually going after a marathon. But friends, if we just showed up at the Portland Marathon on race, race day and we just decide, hey, we're just going to try really hard, then unfortunately, Carl, I'm, I'm thinking that's a heart attack waiting to happen, right? <laughs> so we have got to recognize the difference between training and trying. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. If you're going to run in such a way as to get the prize, you've got to train. You've got to train. You've got to build training in. You've got to build discipline in. You can't just try hard and hope it works. It won't. But if you train hard, you can run in such a way to get the prize. And so let me go after some of the disciplines. This is not at all an exhaustive list, but there are a lot of good things that we can build in. And again, my, my challenge is not that you would do all of these things, but that you would pick one or two that the Lord might be drawn you to so that you could build these into your life. But these disciplines are things like Bible reading, Bible study, Bible listening, a lot of us listen now more than we actually read. Prayer, confession, solitude, silence, humility, meditating on the names or the character of God, fasting, giving, simplicity, submission, memorization, journaling, unhurried life, service, worship, guidance, celebration, purity, witness, Secrecy. Let me tell you what that is. Some of you are like, secrecy, I do that every day. Uh, <laughs> secrecy is when you do good things that you don't tell anyone about. It's when you do a good deed and you don't need the credit at all for it. That's a spiritual discipline. Sacrifice, fellowship, stewardship, Sabbath, and not needing to have the last word. That's a great one for marriages, by the way. It's a good one. So I would challenge you that you would let God draw you to one or two of these that you don't currently have in your arsenal and begin to build them in, begin to train so that you can run in such a way as to get the prize. The last truth this morning is simply this, that Christ formation is the pursuit. Christ formation is the goal. In fact, this entire series that we've been going after all summer long, being and bearing, it's about the fruit of the Holy Spirit that he's producing within us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all character qualities of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is working on our character so that we'll reflect his. That's the pursuit. That's the goal. The disciplines are not the goal. We do not build spiritual disciplines in our lives to make Jesus love us more. Friends, he loves us perfectly already. We build spiritual disciplines into our life so that we can respond more fluidly to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And by the way, 
the goal really isn't self-control, it's spirit control. We really want him to come in and to lead and to guide and to move us forward. That's why one of my favorite verses in all the scripture is Romans 8, 6. So letting the sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Isn't that beautiful? So how do we do that? How do we let the spirit control our mind or to control our thinking? Well, we invite him first off. So we'll invite him. We'll actually do that this morning. And what we do is we partner with him. We train our thoughts on the things that he wants us to think about so that our life experience then flows out of the thoughts that we have trained ourselves on. And you say, well, Mike, what does that mean? What are the thoughts that we should focus on? How does God want us to think? Well, again, the scripture tells us. And the apostle Paul writes this in Philippians chapter four. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So that's what we fix on. That's what we focus on. We focus our thoughts there. And the most amazing thing I know about how God has wired you and how he's wired me is this, that all of us have these feelings. We all have these emotions. Every single one of us does. But did you know that what you think about actually influences what you feel? This is how God has made us. What you think about will impact how you feel. Your thoughts will impact your emotions and together your thoughts and your emotions will create your actions. By the way, this is the formula of self-control. You let your thoughts be fixed on the things of God, things that are true, things that are pure, things that are lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. You let your thoughts stay there and then your feelings flow from that. So then your feelings are good and your feelings are, are filled with what's true and what's right and what's pure. And together your thoughts and your feelings create your action plan, how you are in the world, how you interact with one another, how you treat your family, how you show up at work, all of that flowing from your thoughts and your feelings. But again, this is a inviting and partnering with the Holy Spirit so that we are letting him control our mind leading to life and to peace. What I wanna do right now as I wrap up is simply this. I mentioned it before, and, and I wanna close with this idea of every single one of us taking the next right step. So right now, I want you to think, God, what is it that you want me to say yes to? What is it that you want me to build into my life today, beginning today, that I begin to train on into the future? What is the next right step for you? What is the thing that maybe I'm saying yes to that I need to resist? I need to resist the devil and he'll flee. And then I need to go after the things of God and he comes close to me. Or maybe for you this morning, you've never said yes to a relationship of love with Jesus. You've never realized that Jesus loves you and he knows you, that he, he actually made you and he calls you by name. And he invites you to say yes to a relationship of love with him that starts now and lasts for all of eternity. So what I wanna do right now is I wanna have you bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just wanna ask you to be willing and vulnerable to take the next right step, whatever it is that God's prompting you to. So right now, I would just ask that if God is prompting you to build a spiritual 
habit, a spiritual discipline into your life, just with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, just raise your hand. I just want to see. Who is it? Yeah, thank you. God bless you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. All right. Now, with eyes closed and heads bowed, if God is calling you to cut something out, to end a bad habit, to resist something, raise your hand right now. Let me see. Yeah, God bless you guys. Absolutely. I want to pray for both of you, both, both sets. And, and now what I want to ask is if there's anyone here who wants to say yes to a relationship with love with Jesus Christ, just go ahead and raise your hand right now. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah, God bless you. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High God, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for every hand that just went up. And I want to pray for each group specifically. Lord Jesus, would you be with those men and women who just raised their hand to say yes to a relationship of love with you? Would you just be with them now? Whisper your presence, your comfort, whisper your care over them. Would you wrap them in your arms of love and help them understand that from this moment on, they never walk alone, that you forgive them, that you love them, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within their hearts. And Jesus, that you have forgiven every sin. And you, when, this, when you walk with them through this life, but when this life is over, there is an eternity of joy with you waiting. Jesus, I pray that you would encourage each of those hearts right now. And please, Lord Jesus, would you have them speak to somebody else? Bring another pastor, bring one of the prayer partners into this conversation because this is too good. It's too beautiful. We know that heavens rejoice right now, but Jesus, we wanna re rejoice with these men and women. For those who raised their hand and said that they wanna cut something out, Lord Jesus, would you allow them to see that they have so much more power and strength than they think they have? This might be a, a bad habit. This might be a besetting sin that they have, have fallen into time and time again. In fact, there might even be exhaustion around this. But Jesus, would you let them see that the Holy Spirit is with them, that it is for freedom that you have set them free and you will not let them be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, and Jesus, that you have set us free and it's a free indeed life that you invite us to live. So we claim these truths over this and we recognize that with you, we can resist and we can remove anything from our life that we need to by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. So give them strength, give them courage, allow them to bring somebody else into this conversation as well because two are infinitely better than one in this regard. And lastly, Jesus, I wanna pray for those who raised their hand and said, yes, I wanna build something new into my life. Lord, uh, what's gonna happen in their life is tomorrow morning, they're gonna realize that their life is way too full and way too busy. And they've got way too much going on and way too many responsibilities. And there's no way they can build this thing in. And Jesus, would you help them recognize that that is the lie of the enemy, that you are with them and you love them and they have exactly enough time to do everything that you call them to do. And so would you allow them to walk in faith and to draw close to you, Jesus, and to understand that your love over them, your delight over them, your rejoicing over them with song, that that is uninterrupted. 
that it is, it's not because they, they wanna pursue these good things. You already love them perfectly. But Jesus, would you allow them to see that you are unfolding a pathway in front of them, training them so that they are running in such a way as to get the prize. We love you. We thank you, Jesus, for being with us every step of the way. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.